Okay, hey, so uh, welcome to a podcast that, that we don't know what it's called. Uh, I'm John Muller, and this is... Uh, Teodal Football. Teodal Football. Uh, he does have a name uh, that he's not going to use on this podcast. Uh, this podcast itself does not have a name. We, we might call it Postscript, or Soccer Postscript, something like that. <laughs> This is I feel a, like it's this a, postscript this, is tidy, but I didn't get like the joke until you explained it to me literally ten seconds before we start recording this. That would be appropriate. Well, it's a it's a podcast about the history of soccer blogging, nerdy soccer blogging, maybe football blogging. Yeah, very specific kind of soccer blogging. Yeah, well, it, all blogging is in a sense a passion project, right? And a and a nerdy one at that in a way. Yeah, we're going to talk about the sort of uh, in-depth analytical analytics tactics, other kind of blogging that rose to prominence in the two thousands or the aughts or something. I like the aughts. I always use that. Sounds good to you. That was always yeah my term of choice. So okay, so we're talking about nerdy soccer blogging. I guess the next question is why are we talking about nerdy soccer blogging? other than the fact that you and I met through nerdy soccer blogging, which may be the answer here. Yeah. Well, for one, I think we both love a good blog post. Um, but this, well, this started cause I've been, uh, for like a year, maybe, I don't know how long is I I've been digging back through old blog posts, um, and of the tactics and analytics variety. And I found that it goes back to 2009, 2010, somewhere in there, because I've been trying to write this post for my my Substack Absolute Unit, the Theory of Soccer series that I'm working on. And in there, I've been trying to, originally the goal was to marry the history of tactics writing and, and analytics writing as a way of reconciling the, the two camps, which sometimes uh, uh, you know, square off against one another. To, to sort of show that they're they're sort of from the same place, and mm -hmm. uh, this this whole what I would call an archaeological dig, because it involves reading posts that have been long deleted from the internet and are only available on the Internet Archive, the Wayback Machine. This long exploration has caused me to just stop writing altogether, because uh, <laughs> because <laughs> I'm constantly finding more you know more. Uh, places to go and rabbit holes and occasionally i send you these nuggets that i find and i think at some point we were just like should we just start talking about this stuff well you know i, I think it's worth talking about like your Substack in particular um this this is not how we met i i've known you before you started writing the Substack. um yeah. but i've always loved the way that that you think about soccer and the way that you think about like how to bring data to bear on soccer. And I just think that you ask really interesting questions. Um, I, I think that you're brilliant. I think that your newsletter is oh, brilliant. Uh, and and I, I just want to get those things out of the way up front. Like I want to let people know that like the reason that we're doing this is because basically I just want an excuse to talk about soccer and soccer data stuff with you for a while. But your newsletter has like evolved. I think it's fair to say. And okay. it's, it's it's gone through like two phases already, and this podcast is sort of I think like a third phase of the newsletter. Is that fair to say? Well, that that's incredibly kind of you. I I could I could fill up an hour talking about how you're the best soccer writer on the planet. It used to be Brian Phillips, but he's uh, only a close second now. Although he's well, he's a he's cool. a podcaster now. This, yeah, he's this a podcaster. Yeah. Um, well, but I appreciate all that. I mean, yeah. So the so absolute unit starts as. Um, I'm trying to lay out a, it's a treatise on uh, front office theory and how to build a club and a process and a philosophy that works for success based on what I learned in you know, various uh, business school classes, uh, <laughs> ac academic frameworks for capital budgeting and um, present value and valuing assets, these things. Uh, these are things that for the, the Substack uh, absolute unit, I don't talk about the dollars and cents and the what it means to run a, run a club financially, but I try to use those as metaphors as a way to think about 
what if we were building uh, a portfolio of goals and goal difference and success on the field instead of, I don't know, stocks and bonds and, and things like that. So that's how yeah, it starts. Yeah, it's like phase, phase one is like front office theory, right? And yeah, I think that's interesting because you said like the goal is to bring together data analytics and tactics, but you don't really start there. You start with uh, kind of yeah. theoretical running of a club. Um, like that's right. It's 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 very it's very moneyball stuff, right? I, I, I don't think that you would frame it that way, and you probably don't want to claim it, but like that is kind of the angle into how you're approaching this like data and and tactic stuff. Yeah, and then in in that sort of cycle, I think I purposefully say I'm not going to talk about soccer here. Any sporting director or any president has a philosophy about soccer. They have a way they want to play football a way that they either think it needs to be played this way for spiritual reasons or for the, the you know, quote unquote, the club that we are, uh, this is the kind of soccer we need to play to be competitive, right? So so in that, in the Substack, I'm, I'm sort of like not talking about how I think soccer should be played or how soccer I think works. Mm -hmm. I was purposefully saying, you decide that. And then layer on top of it, this sort of absolute unit um, process approach to get the best out of it and then finally one day i was like this is boring <laughs> i was like i just love talking about soccer with john and others and we, we constantly talk about this and i was like let's just get my cards on the table i have been reading blog posts and watching soccer for many many years is there a way to pull all this together and try to walk through a theory of soccer um, that borrows from different disciplines and builds its way towards some kind of a coherent theory. So that's what the so the Substack pivoted to this series I was calling Theory of Soccer. And I try to focus each chapter on online um, writing of the last 10, 15 years as a way mm -hmm. to sort of anchor it. And then I got to a post about tactics and I've just been stuck. <laughs> for uh, for a long time, and and the reason I'm stuck is because I tried to deep dive deep down into all these old blog posts, and it's taken us to where we are now, where I'm I've, I ha I have a a running catalog of these old deleted blog posts from these analytics writers and these tactics writers, and I'm I'm trying to to tell a coherent story, so um, I think at this I will point, say that that. You would not be a true blogger if you didn't have like unexplained lapses of like months without posting and you show back <laughs> up and like, oh yeah, yeah, sorry for not posting. That's like 90% of blog posts are sorry for not posting. Uh, yeah. But, but I, I wanted to like kind of, yeah, bring that framework in like you, you started going back and trying to kind of archive this soccer blogging conversation because it is like kind of one of the main ways in which soccer analytics has existed, right? There's, there are that's other right. ways there's, there's like soccer analytics that's been done at clubs for a yeah. hundred years. You know, there's soccer yeah. analytics that's been done in academia for like at least 60 years. Yeah. Um, and, and those kind of schools of soccer analytics have their own ways of kind of disseminating and perpetuating knowledge and like, you know, talking to each other, but soccer blogging is, is its own thing that happens between a different group of people in a very different way at a different time. And that conversation, I think, probably is most relevant to what we think of as soccer analytics today. But its origins yeah. are kind of lost like in the in the midst of time or in the midst of the Wayback Machine because just nobody goes back. Like, why would you go back and read a 10-year-old blog unless you're insane, well, right? That's right. I, mean, I, I love the way you put that. And yeah, the way blogs sort of build out this knowledge is they sort of link to each other and they have comments sections and then they they might do a post about a comment or or a post about someone who, who they've seen backlink to their blog right this is the sort of old internet that we loved um and I, I i i love the way you frame that um and then i would say that that what's neat about it too is the reason a lot of these blog posts are deleted is because these writers left and went into football uh, in mm -hmm. many cases sometimes the blog just dies out and they're tired of paying the server fees or whatever Sometimes they're covering up their tracks because they've they've left and gone into football where their insights are incredibly valuable. And that's so so one big point we want to make here is the reason we are going back and trying to uncover these old blog posts and understand what was being spoken about at the time 
and how, um, which is oftentimes going to be a, a humbling effort, I think, is is that blogging does not exist solely on its own, discrete mm -hmm. from the real world. Mm -hmm. um, time and time again, the characters that we'll talk about here like jump into football. Uh, and sometimes they jump back and then back to football again. Uh, and then you and I know um, coaches and front office executives, sporting directors are some of the most online motherfuckers <laughs> on earth. And they read this shit. And they always Constantly. have. Yeah. Um, you know, Jesse Marsh at Red Bulls is stapling American soccer analysis posts by <laughs> by Chuck Hi Ho on onto the, the lockers of his midfielders. Yeah. Um, so this stuff uh it's a form of like going back and trying to read history of what is written, uh, but in sort of this informal but intimate but published way, which is blogging. Right. So it's not social media and it's not white papers, but it's somewhere in between. And, and, you know, you said blogging doesn't exist on its own. And it's true that this stuff, when it's good, winds up being influential. Like the soccer world is very small and it's for the most part, yeah. very curious because everybody knows that we don't know shit about the game and everybody yeah. is curious to learn more from anyone who kind of can help move that ball forward a little bit. Um, but at, at least at a start, almost every blog does exist on its own. It's like this very yes. lonely kind of transmitter sending out a signal into the world, just hoping that like somebody out there is going to read this and care about whatever it is that the blogger thought was important enough to, to start writing about it. And I think that's kind of the origin of every single blog that we're going to talk about, right? That's right. It starts almost as a journal or a diary and then finds a home, a family. And I think that, yeah, the, the, what we want to talk about today is sort of the, the first spiritual birth, perhaps, of um, soccer analytics or fanalytics has these has these qualities. And I, this word fanalytics, I've never really liked, um, but I, I don't know. Pimento in general is just a terrible. Okay, yeah, yeah. Don't do that to language. So we don't. Yeah, we don't have to. We don't have to use it. But it's it's interesting because I mean these these people are fans, and then they become more than fans, and so it's right. like, what do we want to call it? So I'm I'm going to call. I'm going to use analytics perhaps more broadly than, I don't know how I'm going to use this. It could in include tactics. I think analytical blog posting. So we want to talk about, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe when I say analytics, we'll be talking about numbers, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Analytics doesn't have to be confined to data. We can use it as a, as a catch-all term, at least yeah. on this podcast, because we get to make up what words mean on this podcast as a catch-all term for data stuff and for tactics, just kind of, like you said, an anal analytical way of thinking about the game. Because as you said, like your project is all about showing that these things are necessarily intertwined, that yes. if, if you're thinking about the game just kind of in this analytical way, you need to be curious about both of these things. And probably more, right? But but yeah, like for, for sure, all this, you can't, it, it can't be one versus the other. Yeah, yeah. Which I, don't, I imagine we'll probably get to this at, at some point, but there was a time in like the middle of the last decade when it was imagined that they were one against the other, uh, which yes. was just a very weird like thing. Uh, and we don't need to get to that yet, but it just blows, it blows my mind that like, yeah, people thought like data and tactics yeah, yeah. were like at war with each other or something. Uh, it is coming, but that's not where we're going to start. We're going to start with economics. Why? How, how do we start with economics? How does this happen? Soccernomics. Yeah. So in 2009, as you said, like Simon Cooper put out this book uh, yeah. called Soccernomics with Stefan, how do you say his last name? Shemansky? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, but something like that. Yeah. Anybody, anybody who's listening to this podcast like knows the book. We don't have to introduce it. Um, but Stefan was was an economist and Simon Cooper was a journalist. And like, yeah. that was, this was like, you know, even the name of the book is a nod to Freakonomics, which was like a whole thing in yep. the yachts and everybody was into like kind of surprising insights gleaned from data that you know change everything that you thought you knew about a field and uh that's right and and that was kind of one way that data like kind of came into the mainstream sports conversation uh was through that type of economist thought there was also unavoidably like at the start of every single story that we're going to tell here Moneyball, the Michael Lewis book yes. about uh, a baseball manager named or general manager named Billy Bean, who, you know, hired some nerds, did some stuff with data, changed the way the baseball thought about data, 
changed the way that a small cap team played and uh, or specifically how a small cap team recruited uh which i think is important and they went on and you know punched above their weight and that book which came out in i think 2002 like earlier yeah it's 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 hard to like kind of overstate the impact that that had on just the idea of sports analytics as a thing yeah yeah i mean that is the beginning and 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 certainly in and i mean an influence for every single analytics writer or blogger that we'll find and then soccernomics in 09 to your point is um in, influenced by that influenced by freakonomics and is and is basically i, I think that's where you're going that working with the like some of the only data that was available at the time was like financial data mm-hmm. soccer soccer for a long time curiously not data driven or recorded sport so soccernomics comes out and the full title is like just hilarious soccernomics why england loses why germany and brazil win and why the us japan australia turkey and even iraq are destined to become the kings of the world's most popular sport there's no way that was the title in the uk do you think mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know but basically the soccernomics is really interested in these macro um political science political economic questions like the chapters are why england loses um you know why soccer clubs don't make money or shouldn't uh, you know discrimination and soccer the size of countries, city sizes and soccer prizes, um, you know, the country that loves soccer the most. I'm reading up chapters from this book, right? But they're very, they're very much centered on questions that are like, not what we think of today as soccer analytics. We, mm-hmm. we think of the study of like how a team is good or how a player is good, how, how to win at soccer is often where soccer analytics went. But at this moment, this most influential book is sort of asking these more freakonomics, macro, economic questions um well, i think there's there's almost like a i don't know there's there's like a waxing and waning or there's there's some kind of like very complicated relationship between the people who are interested in how games work and the people who are interested in money questions uh because moneyball itself uh you know billy bean was interested in the ideas of bill james who was this kind of again like he was he wasn't even a yeah. blogger because blogs didn't even exist. He was like making his own zines uh, back in like the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> he was literally like printing his own kind of blog on paper and disseminating it to people. Um, and and he was very much a just like how does the game work type yeah. of guy. He was using box score numbers in baseball to like try to figure out uh, insights into how to play baseball better. And that got picked up by Billy Bean, who used it to like okay, how can we use baseball uh, knowledge, knowledge about how the game is played in order to like do money things, essentially compete That's with right. the Yankees when we don't have as much money as the Yankees. Um, and so, yeah, may, maybe it's true that soccer analytics starts with money questions uh, because that's the data that's available. And certainly data availability is kind of, to me, it's like the geological yeah. force behind the soccer analytics story. It's yeah. just like what access do people have to data and when. Uh, but at the same time, I think that it's also true that just like in order for all of the interesting questions about how should you play a game better, uh, in order for those questions to be useful, you have to apply them to money questions. Yes. Yeah, that, that's great. I mean, that's such a good insight. Like in the same way that blogging is not a separate super added component to the world of football. The world of football does not exist in a vacuum. It exists in, in a real world that where resources flow around and vice versa. But and also the interest, you know, the, the interests of so like who are online most of the time more than anyone reading blog posts and 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 fighting in the message board forums uh, about not sports. the football man. Yeah, it, <laughs> it is. I mean, if history has taught us anything, if we know one thing for certain. It's that you can go into a message board and find a bunch of lawyers and accountants uh, arguing about the value of players and who should be signed and traded right. and all these things, right? And so that's one reason that soccernomics sort of kicks off. I mean, I think it's fair to say it kicks off this blogging um, into the world of numbers and data, data evidence findings. Yeah, so every soccer message board on the planet is overrun with lawyers and accountants, but occasionally there are also academics, and I think that's who we're going to talk about today. 
uh, at least for the first part, right? This guy named Chris Anderson. Tell me about him. Yeah, that's right. So we're we're starting at what at this this uh, anecdote or story that I want to say is the spiritual birth of soccer analytics uh, blogging. Uh, I should I should mention that uh, before Anderson starts writing or before the earliest blog post that I can find on the deleted archive of uh, posts, uh, Howard Hamilton starts the first um, soccer analytics blog that I can tell, which he calls soccer metrics. I, I think we're going to talk about him maybe in the next episode. But for our purposes today, Chris Anderson is a, he's an academic, as you say, he is a um, PhD in political science. He's a social scientist. And I, you know, he leading up to the 2010 World Cup, which is a really important driver of a, a lot of this, I think. Um, it, it was it was an exciting moment. A lot of things had come together for the 2010 World Cup for a lot of online fans to be excited. And um, he, he reads Soccernomics. Uh, I think he read Moneyball before that, but he reads Soccernomics and he loves it. And he starts a blog. And, um, you know, why, I, why it's important to talk about him today is, you know, he goes on to be one of the real luminaries in the field. You know, you will, if you go to a, Sloan conference or a stats bomb conference today, like there's like a 50, 50 chance. He'll be like on the panel of talking about mm -hmm. soccer analytics and, you know, it's importance and it's made things, um, you know, Roy Smith has just put out this book called expected goals where he charts the history of soccer analytics. Uh, he does not chart it, uh, by reading the blog posts like we're doing in this, but he, <laughs> Um, but you know, he, he talks about, but he does Anderson. follow a blogger. Yeah. Yeah. He follows Anderson a blogger like from a central figure in this book. Yeah. He, he, um, he starts blogging here leading up to the world cup. Um, and then he gets, he sort of goes on this journey in, into football over time. You know, he, um, importantly, he goes on to write the numbers game in 2014, which mm -hmm. I think is probably like the best soccer analytics book in terms of like going through findings. It sort of did what soccernomics was doing at, at a more macro economics level and, and was just talking for the most part about about soccer and and things we've learned from the data in soccer so that's that's 2014's um the numbers game uh and he writes that with uh, sally as well he forms a mm -hmm. they form a consultancy uh you know involved with clubs here and there throughout his career probably in secret and then mm -hmm. he's ultimately the managing director of Coventry City. So he has this whole journey, right? Which which I think um, Roy writes about it in, in that book. Yeah, so he, so, he's, he's important. He is important for sure. And Anderson like definitely had the background to be the guy who shows up at conferences and is, sits on panels and writes yeah. books. Like he was a Cornell professor when he got started in all this. Uh, I think I'm, I'm strictly going off of Rory's book, which I just started reading uh, literally this morning, but yeah. And Anderson was an assistant professor, tenured at Cornell, uh, political science and behavioral science, I think, like the intersection sure, yeah. of the two. Um, you know, he was he was very like well established in his field. And then he got interested in blogging about soccer. And kind of the first chapter where Rory introduces him takes him from the blogger who's literally just, you know, sending out his signal into the world and trying to find an audience for the things that he's interested in to showing up at Fulham uh, because their technical scout was reading his blog and, you know, brought him into the game. So that's yeah. a path that I think we'll see again and again with, with all these bloggers is like, they get interested in something, people at clubs start reading it, they reach out, they eventually kind of draw these people into the game. Uh, but we're, we're not going into the Fulham era or beyond yeah. for Chris Anderson. We're going with the like lonely blogger era. Yeah. So yeah. So the, the, the timeline of today for the most part, I think is like May of 2010. It's the first blog post I can find of his and it's sort of that's leading up to the world cup. Um, he's, and he's excited about the world cup and he's posting about it to like January of 2011. So I don't know, seven months or something when another blogger shows up and they start to uh, form a community essentially. Um, so in, in May of 2010, Anderson is, he's really interested in the World Cup. And he, I think, you know, he gets his hand on just the most basic of data. It's really important to say a lot of this is humbling because there's not a lot of data. Uh, and if you were to go back and read these posts, it's, it's also probably inspirational to anyone that wants to get started today. You've got a lot more data at your fingertips. And this guy starts with some of these posts and ends up in football. So 
uh, he starts trying to predict like who, how does the World Cup work? Like who might be good here? And he uses some regression analysis and he says, based on the last three World Cups, you know, I think FIFA rating combined with home continent tag, yes or no, are the two variables that he puts forth in this sort of first model predicting who might who might do well at the World Cup. Yeah, you talked about data availability and kind of a, a lot of the best blogging is just very ingenious about where they're getting their data from. And sure. As as stupid as it sounds, like using FIFA rating data is pretty clever, I think, at a time when no other data was available. Yeah, like there, there's a reason that a lot of the earliest posts are about um, you know, how many goals are in a game. Like Anderson will do posts like how what's the most common scoreline? And uh home advantage. Like the the data we've always had is the score, and normally the home team is listed first. In America, for some reason, we do the sports backwards, but um, that basic data architecture, you don't need an Opta license or any sort of detailed tracking data to see like the score of games and who was home and who was away. So you get a lot of this sort of very basic, um, this kind of analysis, putting together just box score. I mean, to your point, like on on Bill James. So, um, and I, and so I think it, part of the reason that that was the only data that was collected in soccer for the first, I don't know what, 150 years almost was that it was the only data that we were sure mattered. And that's still yeah. to some extent kind of true. Like we, we yeah. have a lot more information now, but there's always a question of like what actually matters and why and what the relationship is between all the other things that we can measure and we can think about and the thing that actually determines results and you know who gets paid money and whatnot, which is just does the ball go into the goal. Yeah. Uh, so So people started with what we know matters goals and yeah. i think that in in anderson's first posts he does a lot of the kind of like macro like questions about the world cup but he also starts eventually to do some of that like let's move from goals to the thing right behind goals which is shots yeah and, and it might be the case that at some point he gets he gets shot data that he didn't have before right but i mean on his way there he does a lot of soconomics things like he he also does posts about our democracies performing better at World Cups and does the size of the country matter and um, you know the 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 home continent effect and all these different things like like curiously he thinks Cameroon and Nigeria will advance out of the first round at the 2010 World Cup which is a tragic tragic irony um, says that they do not but but he he eventually gets to shots which starts to get exciting for us right because as I, as I'm paging through these old Blog posts. I, I am rushing to the shot stuff and maybe we should linger on the soconomic stuff because I think it's it's worth kind of thinking about why why this was the appropriate place to start, like why that interested him so much and why he felt like it was worth spending a couple months on that kind of thing before you get to uh, kind of how the game works type of questions. Yeah, well, it, 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 it's interesting. I mean, I, I think a lot of it is he's influenced by soconomics and he likes that. And also, I mean, it's his... You know, his academic background is sort of putting these more macro political economic questions together. So he's maybe he's like working his way into an analytical soccer mindset this way. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so he wor he works through questions like that. He's also very um, the World Cup happens. So he's and the World Cup is such a macro event globally. Right. That's and right. That's right. and as, we, as we know, it is so intertwined <laughs> with political economy, corruption uh all these different things it's and impossible so not, not to cover with like tactics and how the game works <laughs> <laughs> that, well that's right yeah like the reason i get excited when he gets to the shots is because he's talking about clubs again and that's where i go oh that's that's the best you know experimental ground for trying to understand how the the game works it's so funny we will eventually get to tactics in another episode here and that starts not with soconomics and the money and things but it starts with jonathan wilson's inverting the pyramid mm -hmm. and in that book he he traces this like beautiful tapestry of the history of, of, of what's going on in the field, the soccer thought over time. But he often does it at international games because those are the most important journalistically. Like we have records mm -hmm. of what happens when countries face each other. Mm -hmm. So so I get excited when I, the World I Cup. I have thoughts about go. other reasons why that's important, but I'm going to save yeah. that for another conversation. Um, well, I, but, I can't wait for that. But but yeah, World Cup, it, it's kind of funny, right? The, soccer analytics blogging essentially starts at least for our purposes right now 
around a World Cup because the World Cup is the worst possible way to do anything related to data analysis and soccer, right? That yeah, I mean that that's totally right. Like the obviously it's different than than clubs. These guys aren't training. The tactical models are uh, weaker, um, and you get all you just. I mean it's a knockout tournament, so the sample sizes are low, and so even you know Chris is. It's a knockout modeling. tournament that happens once every four years, so that's your right. sample sizes are low, and they're very few and far yeah. between. Yeah. You know, and, and so the, he, even if you have data on the qualifiers, like that doesn't really help you much because it's different players spaced out over different times. So, so yeah, you've got like a sample of, you know, a, a few games uh, per team for a few weeks. And, and he does things like, does a country's experience at the world cup, does, is that a variable that matters to my predictions of this world mm -hmm. cup? Right. And, mm -hmm. and it's like, well, to the extent that that is co-varying with the FIFA rating, maybe, but, you know, it's not as if the same players 12 years ago are playing. So there are all these there are all these tough World Cup questions around analytics that make it somewhat of a cul-de-sac at times, but important and important that it generated this blog, right? Mm -hmm. So he eventually gets shot data and and now he's looking at, and it, I think it's so interesting to think about his analysis shifts just based on the data he's got. So he's got shots, shots on target, and goals that's right so I, so we're after the world cup now this is not yeah, shot yeah. data about the world cup this is later in 2010 early in 2011 when when exactly does he get this data and where is it coming from yeah i don't know when he gets it but but the first blogs are like in august of 2010 so he started in may the world cup's kind of closing out he starts looking at you know premier league data from the last season uh bundesliga data he starts you know, he gets to the big four leagues. He starts looking at all that data sort of on a, the past season's worth of information, I think. So so presumably this is Opta data, right? Well, yeah, I don't know. I It, I, it probably not necessarily, is, right? But yeah, it, back, it's back not at X, that time. Yeah, it's not XY data probably, you know, mm -hmm. um, event data, but it's it's maybe game level. So he, he knows, or, or it could be season aggregates, right? But he, he can see, um, you know, in 2009, 2010, this team is is shooting this much they're getting this percentage of their shots on target and then they're converting into goals this other percentage okay so so we've got a little bit more than just the score line but not much yeah that's right and and so he's sitting here going um you know what's going on here like can i start to use this data to predict um what teams are good other than the score lines and and who's finishing the season at the top and he's looking at the bundesliga i think then for the last year and he finds I think maybe it's Shawk or someone. So somebody is shooting a ton, but they did not win the league. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, hmm, there's something else going on. It's not just about the number of shots you get. So he starts doing basic arithmetic, right? Dividing the number of shots uh, and the number of shots on target to find who is, he calls his accuracy, right? Who is shooting most accurately. That's and right. Then, he has like a shots on target per shot ratio or something like that, right? Yeah. And, and he's... And then he says, um, you know, for all the shots on target, you know, what what percentage of those are going in? And this is, I don't know, finishing or conversion or something. Mm -hmm. And and so his first observation is that it, it's not just how many shots you get. He's like, it's it's how effect, efficiently you are at converting these shots. And he spends, and it, I love, I mean, it's it's charming to go back and sort of watch him. I mean, again, part of this, part of why we're doing this is it should be inspirational to people that are starting out. This is Chris Anderson, a giant of this industry. And he's, I don't, fumbling isn't the right word, but he's he's sort of crawling through the dark, looking through this data, shot data. Hmm. And he's convinced that there's something about a team's ability to convert their shots into goals that is what separates good teams from bad teams. And he's been, which is maybe a natural assumption, right? If if we yeah. start with like goals are the only stat that we have, and then we have shots, we would think that the most skilled teams are the ones that you know have the multi million dollar players who can take their shots and kick them into the goal. That seems like a normal thing to think. That's right. And I'm just looking at here, it's, it's Leverkusen, I think, that is like a shot monster that year that doesn't, mm -hmm. they, they obviously do not win the league. Um, and you're right. So he's looking at this, he, you know, his. He's not from soccer, although he, he mentions that he played goalkeeper at a low level in Germany growing up. But yeah. he's looking at it going, well, I mean, 
there's shots that happen in games, but what we really care about are goals. So what teams are converting their goals the best? What teams are doing the most out of their chances? Uh, and that's and to your point, that's a somewhat intuitive finding. We can look back on this now with some, I don't know, um, dramatic irony and and say, well, we know there's a lot more going on. Um, I don't want to so, make any claims about what we know now because I'm the, not yeah. sure that I know anything. But but that's yeah, cer certainly we've we thought a lot more about these questions since then. And like you said, yeah. this is a very smart guy getting his hands on this data for the first time and asking, like trying to build from the ground up, what are some basic questions that we can ask about this? And maybe, maybe it's relevant that he had been a goalkeeper in Germany's fourth division when he was 17, because if you're a goalkeeper, maybe it seems like the, the big question about soccer is who's good at kicking it past you, right? That's right. What, yes, yeah, if you're a goalkeeper, right? Shots just kind of happen mm -hmm. during the game. They're outside mm -hmm. of your control. And when they do happen, the game seems to hinge on what happens from that point on, like what you do about it. You know, are, you're, you know, are you letting these these shots pass you? Um, are they convert? Is that team converting at a higher percentage than your team is converting? It's, mm -hmm. It would be easy to think about shots this way. And you know, I mean, I, I'm, I, I had some quotes here. I mean, at one point he's he's saying. Um, he's looking at EPL and he says, so while the distribution of shots on target to shots ratios are fairly similar across the league, we see much bigger difference in conversion efficiency. And he says, and conversion um, efficiency is his term for goals per I, shots on target. Is that right? I think, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And, okay. and, and um, he says to overstate things uh, a little bit, everyone shoots accurately. Um, and I guess this is in relative terms. Uh, but teams diverge when it comes to converting accurate shots into goals. Um, mm. So he's focused in on these conversions. And again, like as someone that's looked at a bunch of data, the more data you get, when you get a new variable like shots on target, shots or goals, your assumption is like, oh, I just got to put these two things together and I'll get to the answer. I'll get, I'll get more insight into what's going on here. Yeah. So, so he spends, I mean, from August to January, he spends, it's like 20 posts where he's checking in on leagues. You know, the World Cup's over, so the leagues are underway. Um, he's checking in on the big four leagues to see what's going on with accuracy and shot conversion. And mm -hmm. along the way, he it appears to me that he sort of de-emphasizes the first, um, the first, the first data bit that he might have looked at, which is who's shooting the most. So he's he's getting into. But he does he does look at that first, right? He does. That was yeah, he, he, start... he finds that Leverkusen is shooting a lot, but they're not winning a lot, and so yeah. he kind of moves on beyond that. He's like, that, so he, that yeah, can't... he, that's it. He learns like that can't be it. It's about this other math I can do. I can divide. If, um, if Bayern Munich's not at the top, it can't be the right metric. Right. So let's get to one where they are at the top, right? Mm -hmm. And he finds he gets he gets to a point where Man U's at the top of conversion, I think, and and so he's mm -hmm. starting to get there and 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 think he's got it honed in. And he keeps checking in, and all and I should say like he's a poster. He's a blogger. So along the way, you know, he's posting about other stuff too, right? He does like 20 different posts about these shots and conversions. And he's, he's, he's a doing... very prolific poster. And I really respect that. This dude yeah, is posting like every day. Yeah, they're concise. Yeah, it's every day, every two days, sometimes twice in a day. It, you love to see it when you go back, right? And again, this is all deleted. But every now and then he checks in on, <laughs> it actually kills me every time I'm paging through. I find he does another post on fouls. He's really mm -hmm. interested to know like how often red cards happen and yellow cards and and the impact that has on games. And I look at these posts and I'm like, God, get to the get back <laughs> to the part where you're solving soccer. But he jumps around. He does a bunch of stuff on fouls. He does a bunch of stuff on some current events. He he notices there's a Chinese consortium about to buy Liverpool. That was the rumor at the mm -hmm. time before John Henry. He talks about what that might mean and why we care about who owns clubs. He has posts like this. He's he's a blogger, right? Yeah. It's it's 2010. Um, but he keeps going and, and eventually, you know, he, he does a post that's called like conversion as an offensive metric, as, as a measure of offensive production is what he says. Mm -hmm. And this mm -hmm. is now we're, now we're like in January, 2011. And okay. So this is after a fall spent kind of exploring the shot data, yeah. coming up with just basically various ways that you can divide one number by another. And conversion is the one that's goals divided by shots on target. And he thinks that this is a more interesting metric than just shot counts per game. Yeah, is that seems, right so far? That's right. It seems to be filtering out who the stronger teams are from the weaker ones. It's not perfect, but it's better than like shot volumes. 
Yeah. So, so the theory was that Leverkusen was shooting a lot, but they weren't very good at like aiming their shots. Uh, whereas certain teams that might've been shooting less were very good because they had the best players, I guess, uh, players uh, like Manchester United was very good at taking the shots that they had and finding the corners of the net, beating the goalkeeper, beating him, the 17 year old fourth tier German goalkeeper. That's right. Yeah. And he does it on the defensive side too. He looks at goals against and and shots on targets against too. Mm -hmm. But, Mm -hmm. but this is where I, this is where I say the, the spiritual birth of soccer analytics is because something really cool happens in January, 2011. Um, Sarah Rudd shows up and she's reading his blog and she writes a response to this most recent blog that is called the offensive, you know, uh, whatever it's called conversion as a, as a measure of offensive production. Okay, let's pause here uh, because we just introduced a new character, and this is yep. like groundbreaking. Uh, there's there's no longer <laughs> just one blogger; there are now two bloggers. This is seminal. Um, was there like were were there other people that he was talking to for those first like seven eight months that he was blogging? Did he have an audience? Did he have a comment yeah. section? Uh, were they sharing ideas in the comment section? How was this conversation happening? Yeah, so so he had a comment section. It's sometimes hard to see all the modules in the deleted um, internet archives. Sometimes all the modules that would have been sort of active in real time don't load. But you can see comments here and there. The the only other blogger that Anderson ever refers to is a guy named Zach Slayton, who's writing this a blog called The Beautiful Numbers Game. I think we might we might get to him mm-hmm. when we talk about Howard Hamilton next. So again, there there are a couple other bloggers out there, but they're really not um, debating, uh, mm-hmm. intervening in each other's work. They're not, mm-hmm. uh, it's not constructive criticism in, th- in this sort of community kind of thing. It, he, he might add a, somebody over here on the blog role, but he ha- he doesn't appear to know who Sarah is at this point. Um, okay. So, I don't, so I don't... He, has, he has a readership and maybe he has some commenters, but yeah. there's not a conversation going on between multiple publications, multiple blogs. Uh, and Sarah That's is right. one of his readers. What, right. what do we know about Sarah? Do you want to introduce her as a character so people... Yeah, so so this is where so Sarah, the reason if we talked about the reason Chris is important, the reason Sarah is important. So she will go on to lead the analytics at Arsenal. Uh, I'm skipping some things, but she'll go to Arsenal. She will That's found right. uh, she will found an analytics consulting company. Uh, am I getting it's Blue Crow? Is that right? Blue Crow. Yeah, that's where she right. is now, right? She also, um, you know, on her way to the Arsenal gig, she will. I mean, just one of the absolute bombshell analytics uh, contributions will be her her work on possession value and Markov chains. This gets her a job at Stat DNA because uh, she submits that paper to a academic like a, a white paper contest they're having. That's right. Mm-hmm. Lands her the job at Stat DNA. Stat DNA will get bought by Arsenal. I think we will have an episode on all this. We will we will need to cover sure. this in depth for sure. Some of the Stat DNA blog posting is just incredible. Um, but you know, it's cool to see, we know who Sarah Rudd is now. She's, um, a giant in, in, uh, the That's history right. of this and the industry. And she, sh- so she starts blogging in September of 2010. So I'm jumping yep. in with the first post where she responds to him, but it's worth so, just talking so, about. Go ahead. Hang, hang on. So yep. she's going to, she's going to go on to be a giant in the field. She's going to do some great early soccer analytics work. She's going to get hired by Arsenal. Uh, but she starts. With Moneyball, uh, this is she. She had a conversation with. Uh, she she was a software developer in Seattle, yeah. uh, in like 2009. She had a conversation with uh, the owner of the Sounders at that time. I forget his name, Adrian something, right? Yep. And anyway, they talked about doing like Moneyball, but for soccer, and that to her seemed like a cool revolutionary idea, as it did for every other soccer blogger that we're going to talk about. Like they all. St- thought like hey what if we did money ball but for soccer where would it leave right. and they all kind of had different interpretations on it but hers was to start this blog uh called what was it called it's called on football which is on football very elegant mm-hmm. and and she starts i mean it's funny like again I, i'm working with the posts i can find it is it is also deleted this is <laughs> these are two mm-hmm. deleted blogs right it hers is deleted i suspect because she goes on to work in-house at arsenal um mm-hmm. But when I go back and find what has been sort of archived on the Wayback Machine, her, the first post I can find, and it makes sense that this might have been one of her first posts because I don't see, um, I don't see any of the other bloggers referencing her, uh, is she's talking about MLS. Th- th- and mm-hmm. I love this. Uh, 
because a lot of the early bloggers are talking about MLS. They're in America. Um, she's talking about the standings in MLS and how it's never balanced. Teams, at any given point of the season, teams have not played the same number of games. And so when you look at the standings, and it's true today, if you just look at it, um, it's impossible. Yeah, this is really dangerous here because we're we're very close to like falling off the edge of this cliff and talking about MLS uh, <laughs> standings for, for like two hours. Yeah. But, but, but that's I, what I just, she was blogging about for a while. A hundred percent. So it's just cool to see, right. You know, she goes on to work at Arsenal and found her own company. She starts like, she's like, MLS is kind of weird that those are her first posts mm -hmm. that MLS is weird. She's following the Sounders. I think she's a Sounders fan, mm -hmm. but she talks about home advantage in MLS, a recurring topic today. Uh, she talks about, Oh, she she devises a games back metric to sort of like even out the MLS standings, which I think is really cool. Um, she talks about MLS attendance. So she does some soccer anonymity thing. She talks about MLS mm -hmm. attendance. She talks about Beckham and MLS as a retirement home. She goes into MLS roster rules and the super draft <laughs> and how to find value in the super draft. She talks about generation Adidas players uh, yeah. and MLS capology stuff that we don't need to belabor today. And then uh she's reading chris's blog and she reads this post about offensive production where he's saying the key to determining to separating good teams from bad teams is conversion and i mm -hmm. might just maybe i'll just like read her post because it's short she does Good. it in like yeah. 300 words which i love yeah. i cannot do but i it is another it's another beautiful <laughs> moment in the history of blogging right you yeah just let's read the these, post she just throw these blog posts up so she says Soccer by the numbers recently had a post about using conversion rate goals divided by shots on target as a metric for a team's offensive production. The idea behind it is to estimate how well a team is at converting its chances or essentially how good they are at finishing. This is the first time we see the word finishing, by the way. Mm -hmm. But but she treats uh, it like it's just a term that everybody, you know. That's right. It does knows. not have the baggage of XG yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So she says, I think this is a good start, but it says nothing about how many chances are created. Is the team that scored from its only chance more productive? or I would say, is it more efficient than a team that creates six chances but only finishes two? Conversion mm -hmm. rate only tells part of the story. To get a better idea of offensive production, we need to add another dimension that quantifies mm -hmm. offensive opportunities in addition to efficiency. To start, I decided to look at shots as an estimate of an offensive opportunity. So she's, she's using this idea of opportunity versus execution. Uh, mm -hmm. There are obvious shortcomings with this, but I prefer it to shots on target, which is what Chris uses. Shots on target encapsulate something about the execution of the opportunity, and that is precisely what we were trying to isolate. So instead, we'll use shots, which has less information about the execution. And then she does a table. She uses MLS data, which is fun. He's not doing that over at um, Soccer by the Numbers. Uh, he's looking at big four leagues. But she uses MLS data to sort of critique this path that he's gone down. Um, and then he says, using the league averages for conversion rate, parentheses finishing and shots, parentheses creating, we can start to see if a team's offense is struggling because it can't finish or because it's not creating enough chances. Mm -hmm. She plots this on a scatter plot, which he hasn't been doing. He's been using sort of almost bar charts, mm -hmm. but she's she's using two dimensions, right? Uh, so she plots it on a, on a scatter chart. She has the upper right, right quadrant, teams that are above average at both creating and finishing contains the MLS Cup finalists and the number one seeds for each conference. So, so this this scatter plot uh, is is not archived by the Wayback Machine. We can't actually see the scatter <laughs> plot that she's that she's describing, but I, but, but we know what the axes are, right? Yeah, that's what, right. What are they? So there's shots. I, I'm presume on the X. I hope it's on the X, and on the Y, she's got conversion, uh, and I think she's doing my my guess is she's doing goals divided by shots, not divided by shots on target. So she's, okay, so we've got shots per 90 or shots per game or just yep. shots total per season. I don't know what we're doing. And yeah. then on, on the other one, we've got goals per shot. And she says, if we were and going to- the question like is, which axis is, is more important? Which one's more correlated with winning or at least with being a good attack? So she says, if we're going to go by conversion rate alone, Houston and Philadelphia, these are bad teams, would appear to have strong offenses, but in reality, they, they are quite poor. By looking at both dimensions, teams can start identifying the causes of their offensive woes more clearly. Is it poor execution or is it lack of opportunities? Uh, the approach to fixing it is drastically different. That's the end of the post. That's the whole post. Mm -hmm. And we can uh, we can analyze this in a second because I would, you know, parts of this we would say today are we would challenge and and resist. But I think the most important thing is she's reading his blog, and she comes up with this response. And because she links to him, 
to his blog, I assume what happens is he gets a little, maybe in his blog data, he gets a little update that says somebody's backlinked over here. Mm-hmm. And the very next day, um, he responds and he, he basically says, hey, I've been working on this offensive production stuff. I was delighted to see this post from the author. He says the author of On Football. Maybe she didn't have her name in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 he, and he says, this is a contribution. So congratulations to this author. Uh, and, he, right. and it's sort of, I think he's sort of admitting that she's right. And mm-hmm. we would, we could pause there. Um, she, she, cause, because she is right in a sense, right? Soccer right. is more than what you do when you encounter shots against you or shots for you. Yeah. And, and, and we can talk about the substance, but I think like at the start of this episode, you said like, this is the spiritual yeah. origin of, of soccer blogging. And it's not even really the substance of these posts that makes it the spiritual origin, right? It's, the fact that she responded to him, he responded to her, and now we've got a conversation going between these two publications. Is that right? That's exactly right. Yeah, and um, and and what's what's cool is so so he acknowledges her contribution, and then he sort of just keeps going blogging. I think he probably adds her to his blog role, mm-hmm. right? And she, she's added him. We now have a community, and. This Which is apparently January... like the, the blog role probably had like one name on it at this point because nobody else was yeah. doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe you know, maybe he had the Swiss Ramble or something. We even need are... to like explain what a blog role is to like <laughs> there are gonna be people under the age of 30 who are listening to this and have no idea what we're talking about. I guess it's you know, off to the side of your blog, you've got the list of posts that you read that you like reading. It's recommendations, recommended reading, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um so she gets added there in this in this sort of community grows you know i think um we talk about analytics bubbling up from this community of of bloggers into this sort of force that it is in the actual global game today and this is it happening i think in this moment i also just i also just love her insight here which is you know we talked about and i should say like we're doing a lot of our analysis is based almost solely on reading these posts and then speculating about what might've been going on in their heads. Mm -hmm. But I think it's pretty compelling to think that Anderson as a goalkeeper and as an American sports fan, maybe where like in the NBA, you get the same number of shots on both sides, mostly of the teams. It's about like how you convert those shots. Are you hitting your field goal percentages high? Um, But, but as a goalkeeper where shots are just sort of what I would call like, uh, exogenous variables to use an economic term he <laughs> might he might enjoy like they just happen they are uh, they use x uh just into the game shots happen and then it's what do you do with them that's sort of how that's where he was heading um mm-hmm. whether or not he believed that about soccer or if he was just letting the data take him there as a matter of methodology which i think there's something to be said for mm-hmm. but sarah is she's just watching soccer games and she's like this isn't how it works like and, and this is dear to my heart, but she's like, soccer is the struggle for both teams to to create good goal scoring opportunities, I think is maybe what she'd say today, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's funny, she still uses this idea of opportunity, what you're creating and finishing, how you're executing, and says both of those dimensions uh, are important to to being good. And I think, you know, in the, you know, in another episode, we'll talk about at some point the analytics community starts to, um, instead of just taking those those data points at face value, they start questioning: well, Are they stable? Right? Are conversion percentages stable, or do they regress? And the, these sorts of things. But for now, she's saying soccer is about how good you are at creating shots and not and not letting your opponent do it. And then what happens when you get those shots? Are you are you executing? Yeah, so it's, it's a really and execution. Moment. And and right now we're talking about opportunity and execution at the moment of the shot, right. but opportunity at the at the moment of the shot is the result of opportunity and execution kind of further and further away from goal, right? At each point, That's you right. have like you you have an opportunity, some level of opportunity. You have how well you execute on that opportunity, and eventually you get to the opportunity to shoot on goal. That's right. And you don't have the data for all of that. You just that's right. And that's why this we're talking about analytics blogging. It's important. You know, Chris here is working with data and very limited data, right? And then the data is just about the shots. So he's looking at the data going, well, if um, the reason data analysis is cool and provocative is like, 
if you hold, you know, if you close your eyes to everything else, is there anything the data screams at you that you didn't know? And I think Sarah here is like, let's not close our, our eyes to all this other data that we can't see. You know, um, we, we, we can imagine that it's, that soccer is more than just who executes the best on the shots that they experience. Um, and and I don't think that Anderson was necessarily claiming that, right? Uh, it, it's not that Anderson thought that soccer was just shots, but soccer right. data was just shots. And yes. if you're trying to say, what can we learn from the data and your data only has shots in it, then it's natural to say, this is what we can learn. This is These are the kinds of questions that we can ask. But Sarah, by kind of looking at the same data and asking a, diff a question in a slightly different way, sort of opens the door to talking about how soccer actually works, which is not what was in that little box confined by shot data. Yeah, she has a great, like I want to, um, I want to quote her on on something that she says in a later post that's like outside of our timeline, but but she has a, a great post later where one of the snippets is she says, full disclosure, I find it incredibly difficult to watch 22 players plus the ball simultaneously for 90 minutes. So my observations are not complete. So that- We should, that's we should call like that a, the birth of tactics blogging right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, but but it's a, it's great to see. I mean, these maybe maybe two different methodologies or two different experiences coming together here in this sort of blogging history, creating what we might say is the the first sort of the community starts to build this way. Mm -hmm. And we would asterisk that because we'll talk about the others later. But but I, I I think it's pretty cool, and it's also very cool because we're talking about January 2011. In March 2011 is the Sloan, uh, the MIT Sloan Analytics Conference. That's right. And the other cool thing, and, and why you know Sarah should be dear to our hearts here, is that she uh, starts posting about this conference on her own blog. Um, and she talks to Chris, and she talks to Howard Hamilton of Soccer Metrics. Mm -hmm. And they agree that they're all going to go to the conference. And they agree to go meet up and have their own sort of soccer analytics uh drink before the conference or before one of the events right and they do this they have beers they talk about it they become sort of a community i would say in this moment mm -hmm. and then they agree over drinks to form this website which will go on to house basically all soccer analytics blogging um, this thing is also deleted but it's on the wayback machine hmm. and it's what i've been using mostly to go find all these old posts so it is a collection of all the oldest um, soccer analytics posts and tactics, I think is in there too. Uh, but it's just such a, this, this is the spiritual birth of analytics, not just because of this like very mechanical uh, moment where they're, they're sort of backlinking to each other on the blogs, but they actually, it spills over into real life immediately. They meet mm -hmm. at Sloan and they sort of form soccer analytics as we know it mm -hmm. today. Okay, so in less than a year, we've gone from three individuals who didn't know each other uh, at all, who were interested in the game in, I think, very different ways initially, each starting their own blog and asking very different questions. We've got Chris Anderson, who's asking questions about kind of at the macro level, what do we know about countries and money and the World Cup and FIFA data? Uh, we've got Sarah, who's like doing MLS blogging about roster rules and yeah. parody and the things that MLS bloggers blog about. And the story that that we've focused on was when kind of two of these people started talking to each other, not about the things that they were individually interested in, which didn't have a lot of overlap, but in like, how does the game work? Because that's the question that everybody shares. That's the question that like unites all these different interests, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that that's a really good way of framing it. He, for the longest time, um, he's talking about the World Cup and other big big issues, and then when he starts getting into and and maybe she's reading it for a while before she um, decides to start blogging too. Uh, but when he starts getting into shots and and goals, she's like, "Wait a minute, I have something to say on this." Yeah, that, that, it's my, a great. My interest I, I like the way you frame it. Yeah. And 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 so she responds to him. They start a little bit of a dialogue. And within a few months, they and this third blogger who we'll talk about next time are meeting up in person and soccer analytics blogging is born. And that's why it's the spiritual birth, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. I mean and and like 
I, I found this um, moment like by happenstance, like it was painful to go back through and page through old blogs and try to find when they're when they're talking to each other because that that would trigger me to go look at another blog and try to figure out when that started right mm -hmm. so De devin fluer at, at toronto sort of pointed me in this direction of using this sort of central blog repository that sarah and chris and howard had set up post after they meet at sloan mm -hmm. as a way to go back through and try to find these things but it was painful i i suspect people don't know about this story or they don't remember it chris and sarah may not remember this right yeah um but but also there is this thing that happens which is that these blogs get deleted uh and we are i mean it's it's important to take a moment to think about where we are on the timeline right now and sitting here in january of 2011 let's say versus where we are today and when something like expected goals comes around it, I, I think it dominates so much the analytics conversation today that we think about it as always being there and mm -hmm. in different and in different strange curious forms it it pops up here and there the further you go back but the word expected goals as a shot based uh, metric doesn't happen until 2012 when opta is blogging and, and sam green introduces that model it really isn't popularized until michael Haley at the tail end of, I think, 2013, starts blogging at SB Nation. Um, and then obviously it doesn't go mainstream until, I mean, a few years after that. So we are so far away from what I think we often think of, even as the old analytics bloggers, even mm -hmm. starting their blogs yet. We're back in 2009, 2010, 2011. And that's, you know, that that's when this moment happens. And I, I think it's worth, we've kind of said this over and over, but soccer analytics seems to start when data becomes available in whatever form, whatever kind of data that like somebody can analyze, right? That's that's when soccer yeah. analytics starts and soccer analytics ends when that person does enough analysis that a club hires them and they delete their blog and yeah. all that knowledge is lost. And so yeah. soccer analytics is just this constant process of that happening again and again. Like somebody curious gets their hands on data they get hired, their posts are lost. And so like everybody kind of rediscovers the same things over and over, asks the same questions over and over. It does maybe gradually move forward. And we do maybe know a little bit more now than we did yeah. uh, 12 years ago when these blogs were happening. But that's in, in a way, like that's why blogging is important. That's why yeah. the community aspect is important because asking questions about how soccer works, uh, that's really, really hard. It's really hard to to think about and to answer in any kind of concrete way how soccer works and why. And you need a conversation between people to do that. And you need the sharing of ideas and you need those ideas to be preserved for the next person who gets curious because your blog is going to be deleted by then, right? That is 100% right. And I feel like, I mean, I, I should say, I didn't come to find uh, analytics blogging until must have been 2014 or something. I would have been. I would have been reading Liverpool blogs and trying to trying to get excited about the next transfer they were going to sign or something like that. <laughs> and then I would have it been pointed over towards something like Statsbomb, maybe, yeah, which seemed really compelling. And I would have seen the movie Moneyball by this time um, and been excited about it, right? And I would have been playing fantasy, you know, sports, maybe fantasy NFL or something. This is the context um, within this, but it. And so I don't even realize this shit exists until much later. And I would venture to say, like, when you look at the blogs, it's not clear. Like, after after Sarah's stuff gets deleted and Chris's stuff gets deleted, after stat DNA gets bought by Arsenal, there's almost like, it's almost like the fall of Rome, <laughs> analytics-wise. It sort of, like, rebirths itself via Stats Bomb and, and some others, and we'll talk about them, um, James Grayson and... Mark Taylor, there's there's a lot of there's a long list of stuff, really good reading material that we can recommend to people. But it is so interesting to just to to go back through. It's just like history, where a civilization uh, it is either preserved or it or it falls, and then you have to you have to go about it with like a a brush or whatever those archaeologists <laughs> use, with, where they're they're very carefully going over dusty remains, and that that's sort of what this Internet Archive project has been for me so far. Yeah, by the time most of us became aware of soccer analytics, like 
we're we're in the Renaissance, and we're like dimly aware that that maybe the Roman Empire existed back then, uh, that there were people doing blogs before that, but but we don't know what was happening in those blogs, really. Yeah, and to think that at this time, someone's over at Arsenal that I don't know about that's running their analytics department who started off by blogging about MLS, you know. Mm-hmm. To, I mean, that's just I I I, I only know this from going and finding it so i I would like recommend people go do this and recommend that they preserve their blog somehow i'm not exactly sure how this process works the internet archive but it um it's been an incredible find for me and we've got a lot we've got a lot more to say about the history of blogging as we go from here we can go backwards and forwards and whatnot but a, a big part of it is is uh carefully paging through old many of which are shit posts, um, you know, <laughs> which is core to the history of blogging. Yeah. There, you know, you'll go from a, a scatter plot of, of chance conversion and opportunity to a post, um, about, you know, <laughs> about something that happened in a game that really pissed off the blogger or, um, yeah. you know, or the U S men's national team, uh, and their, their qualification hopes, uh, so but you don't get curious about how the game works unless you first get pissed off that your team didn't win. That's right. And you don't start asking these questions about what can I learn from data unless you you care about soccer deeply. It is absolutely yeah, that is absolutely the origin story of all of us, I would guess. Yeah. Something some flavor of that. But you know, today we talked about kind of the spiritual origin of blogging in that community aspect. And next time I think we're gonna talk about what to me seems in a different way to be the spiritual birth of soccer analytics blogging, because it's asking what I think are kind of the fundamental questions uh, of how do we use data to understand the game? And I'm excited to talk about that one. Yeah, I would say um, if it was interesting at all to follow through the thought process of these individuals today, sort of working very slowly and carefully through shot data, then I think you'll really get a kick out of the next episode where we talk about Howard Hamilton and soccer metrics and like the post he writes on day one that the very um, first post yeah that, that possibly me, the first cri- soccer bar yeah that, that that crystallizes i think just the core of why this sport is great and difficult and why that's why it's great in many ways and why it's interesting to blog about learn about argue about so i i'm uh, excited to go through that one cool all right this has been uh postscript right? That was the name of okay. Saturday <laughs> Maybe. Soccer postscript. We got to work on that. All right. Uh, poll, maybe. I'm John Muller. This is Kyoto Football. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening or whatever they say at the end of the podcast. See you next time. That's right. <laughs>